You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is episode 43. Hey there, ladies and gents. Welcome back to another episode of The Raven and the Writing Desk. Mel and I are still in the process of getting settled in in Wisconsin, so this is going to be another special episode. In this episode, we're going to hear an interview that I did with Abigail Hilton. Now, if you've been a longtime listener to the Metamore City podcast and The Raven and the Writing Desk, you almost certainly know Abby Hilton's work. She produced the podcast novels The Prophet of Panamandora, The Guild of the Cowrie Catchers, and Hunters Unlucky, which are all amazing books that you should definitely check out. I sat down to talk with Abby about something that she does probably better than anyone else in podcast fiction, which is using advertising and marketing strategies in order to grow her audience. This is something that I've had trouble with, and so I sat down with Abby to see if she could give me some pointers. Here's the interview. Hello, and welcome back to The Raven and the Writing Desk. I am your host, Chris Lester, and I am here in the virtual discussion room with author Abigail Hilton. Say hello, Abby. Hey, guys. So for those of uh, our listeners who don't know you already, tell us a little bit about yourself and your fiction. Uh, Probably my my best-known series is called The Guild of the Cowrie Catchers. I started podcasting that back in 2008. I think 2007, 2008. And I did a full cast production. Uh, Chris was a major character in that story. And um, also a norm of the Drabblecast. If you listen to Drabblecast, uh, Nathan Lowell was my protagonist. And uh, I podcast that novel. And then right about the time I, well, I don't know, halfway in, the ebook revolution hit. So I started selling ebooks. And uh, I had sold some audio on my site previous to that. Once ebooks came around, I got into those. I started doing paper. Um, when ACX came on the scene, I started doing audio versions. My most recent epic is uh, Hunters Unlucky, uh, which you can get on audible.com and is narrated by Rish Outfield if you listen to the Dune Steve at all. And uh, let's see, I've got I've got three epics on there. I've got The Prophet of Panamandora, which is a solo read. It's earlier work, it's still good, it's still stuff I'm proud of, but um it's not quite as uh uh, it's not. It's, it's not as good as Cowrie Catchers and Hunters, uh, and then I've got several short story collections. And uh, right now, I am. I'm just about to release uh, the Scarlet Albatross, which is the series that comes after the Guild of the Cowrie Catchers. And I'm working on Jager Thunder, which is the second book in that series. And I'm about 125,000 words into it, and I think it'll be about 150. So, yeah, that's that's me. Let's see what else. That's not all. Um, I have a comic, which I started halfway through last year. Um, Carrie Catchers is being turned into a comic. I've worked for many years with an illustrator for that series. It, I, the podcast was illustrated. All the individual episodes had illustrations, and I released a hardback art of those illustrations last year. And uh, now me and my uh, artist are doing a comic. And with the comic, I started doing a Patreon to support the comic because it was something I've wanted to do for a long time, but I really was worried about committing to the ongoing, never-ending financial obligation of comic. <laughs> so, so anyway, that's when I started the Patreon. And uh, I, think, I think that's just about all. <laughs> cool. So you and I started podcasting around the same time. Uh, if you don't mind telling us, where are you now in terms of your sales numbers in your different markets? Because I know your audience has grown a lot faster than mine. Um, 
I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I think, I think if you is having quite a big audience, but you, you don't always feed it. So then it kind of grows stagnant. Right. Um, <laughs> period of like four years where I was writing one book and not very fast. So. <laughs> yeah. You were on the scene a little bit earlier than me. Uh, you were doing full cast audio before I was, because I, I listened to you and Dan Sawyer. and was like, I want to do my novel like that. The famous <laughs> last words. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a great idea. I know sometimes I wonder if I would have um if I would be making a lot more money right now if I had not gotten into forecast audio because I would have put that energy into ebooks at least a year earlier. And yeah, that was a would have been a better time to be in ebooks. The let's see, my audience. I've sold about twelve thousand books. And my I can't remember exactly what my average profit per, per book is, but it's, you know, it's not 70 cents. It's like three or four dollars. And the last few years, I last probably two years, I make more money on Audible than anywhere else because you end up making about six dollars per book. Nice. I did sign up most of my books, all of the ones that are for sale now, before they went from 50 percent to 40 percent. But even at 40 percent, when they're selling, they're paying twelve dollars a piece. Usually they're buying them with credits. And then sometimes people buy them at full price. It's still more than you would make on an ebook. And since I started out in audio, I have an audience that um, that likes audio. But yeah, I've got a text-based audience now too. And my mailing list is over a thousand people now. I need to do some kind of a poll. Like I think maybe I'll offer some of the original artwork as a prize and try to get people to answer me on some demographics and stuff because I don't I don't know who's on that mailing list. People talk to me all the time now that I'm like they have got they know who I am and I'm like. Hi, I have no idea who you are, but I'm glad you like my books. <laughs> your um, your audience has outgrown your monkey sphere. That's 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 true. But my podcast is still small because I haven't really fed the podcast in the last few years. I've cut back to one episode a month. I've done a lot of things to keep it going because a lot of old friends are you know listening on there, and I don't want to just go away completely. And sometimes I have stuff to give them, like I can give them samples of books and stuff. But um, the podcast is kind of an eighty twenty thing. <laughs> You know, you'll hear the uh, self-publishing people talk about 80-20 or they're talking about, you know, the thing that makes 20% of the income takes 80% of the work. Um, <laughs> so um, I just, I, I, I'm managing all these other projects and I don't have as much time to put into the podcast, but I, I, I can't bear to just let it go completely. But that audience is, you know, two to 400 people, which is where it's been for years and years and years. So that really hasn't changed much. You've put all of your energy into the podcast, which is ideal for something like Patreon. Because if you're already giving something away for free, but you can add stuff onto it, I think that that's perfect for Patreon. I would agree. So what do you think is the most effective marketing tool that you've used for your writing and how have you used it? That has changed over time. Probably the single most effective thing I've done is give the first book in every series away for free, which is simple and stupid. But yeah, all of my entry level content right now is free. Because usually once I hook somebody, they'll go through and buy the whole series and then they'll go on to buy other series. So I am very willing to give something away to get people in the door. Because once I've got them, they're going to go on and buy a lot more stuff. So so yeah, the first book in any of my series are free. So if you want to try them, um, you, you can get a really good taste, decide whether you like it or not. I even split Hunters out into individual books to do that because at first it wasn't wasn't doing that great. And I was like, this is probably the best thing I've written to date. And it's just kind of plodding along. But I had released the whole epic in a single download because I felt like that was the way the story was best presented. 
yeah, so then I went and um, I broke it out into individual books. I made the first book free, which did help. But then Audible picked it up for a sale, and that helps more than anything. So now Hunters is made just as much as all the other series, mostly because of the Audible sale. Um, nice. And that, there was yeah. nothing you could do to predict or, or arrange that. That was pure luck of the draw. That was just somebody over there liked me because they handpicked that list. And there's nothing, nice. you can't apply for it. You can't, you know, I, I can't make it happen again. I hope it happens again, but I can't really, I can't really make it happen again. And, you know, Coward Catchers has also done fine. Coward Catchers has never been featured in one of their sales, but nothing moves books like them putting a book on sale. I mean, that was, that was pretty amazing. What else have I done? Um, I started playing around with Facebook ads this year. That is really effective for getting list signups. So if you've got a, a good ad that um, attracts people's attention, you offer them a few books for free. And for my mailing list, I offer them the first two books in, in three series for free. So they can get the first two Carry Catchers books, the first two Profit books, or the first and the first two uh, Hunters books. So that's a pretty good, pretty nice little bunch of stuff. And they sign up and then MailChimp walks them through a whole automation. So I've got I have three different automations they go through depending on which series they come in on. So if they come in through Coward Catchers, it's going to offer them the um the next Panamandora, the other Panamandora series first. If they come in through Hunters, it's going to offer them profit because that's more young adult. Anyway, it walks them through my catalog in kind of a logical order because I've got I've got a big enough catalog now that it's a little bit confusing to people. So when you say that it offers them to them, you mean to buy or it offers them for free? It offers them the first two books in each series for free. And the way you can host files in MailChimp, so you can just, you can send them the download links. And then a few days later, it it says, did you enjoy those? (laughs) Would you like to buy the next one? (laughs) But I, I think most people actually end up, I don't think people buy books out of those emails. I could be wrong, but I think most people buy them if, if, if they're going to buy them when they finish reading it, that's when they click the buy button. And of course, all of that is with eBooks. Audible doesn't let me give stuff away in, in audio, which is, which is too bad. Um, also, because of the way that system works, you do a lot better selling a nice big chunk like a series than selling little individual books because people are buying with credits and they want to they deal. <laughs> that makes sense. So um, what are some marketing strategies that you've tried that were either not very effective or just weren't cost effective, either in terms of the time or the money that you invested in them? I have never had a lot of luck with any of the ebook promoting the, the, the innumerable sites out there that, that will promote your ebooks, except for BookBub. BookBub will absolutely move books. It will absolutely pay for its ads, but they've gotten so picky the last few years. It's really, really hard to get them to pick up anything. Like, I mean, you can you can submit stuff as often as you, as you like. So, you know, and but you get tired of doing that. I mean, ideally, if I had a personal secretary, they would be submitting to BookBub as frequently as they will let you. Because if you get an ad with them, in I mean, any category it doesn't matter. You're going to pay for the ad. You're going to move a bunch of books. And if you have series where people tend to go through and read everything you've written, then that's that's really really worth it. So, but other than that, like there's a whole bunch of them, and I just haven't found that they are terribly effective. A lot of them you pay something for, not very good. <laughs> I don't think. I mean, some people say they are. They just don't work for me very well. But Facebook has been effective for you. Facebook has been effective at getting email list signups. I have not tried many direct sales on there. I think it's really hard to 
measure direct sales on there. It's it's not impossible, but you have to watch it more closely. It's it's obviously more difficult to get people to hit a buy button. Also, the demographic that I tend to have the most luck with on there is a younger demographic, 24 to 40, I'd say. And a lot of those people, I think they want to try the free book before they're going to buy anything. So I offer them the free books and the to sign up to the mailing list. They sign up to the mailing list, they get their free books. A few months later, they come back and buy something. So getting people to sign up for that is, is much easier than getting people to, to click a buy button, an author they've never heard of before. And I know people that do have a lot of luck with direct sales there, but they're shopping their books to an older demographic. So if you're writing thrillers that 50, 60, 70-year-olds are reading, if you're writing romance that 50, 60, 70-year-olds are reading, then those people seem to be much more amenable to just buying something if they think they'll like it. Whereas, at least for me, the younger audience... They want to get a big taste of it before they're going to give you money. Fair enough. So we talked a bit about your mailing list. For those who might be thinking of going that route, how do you get started? It sounds like you've got a very complicated setup going <laughs> there. Uh, only over time. Uh, MailChimp is free for the first, I think, 2,000 subscribers. But I would highly recommend paying the 10 bucks a month to get the extra features because the automations are one of those features. So with an automation, you can send anyone who signs up to your list a series of emails that will spread out over as many days as you want. So you can set up the first one and it will welcome them, maybe get them some free books. And then a few days later, a week later, it can send them the next book in the series or it can send them a different series. If you like this one, you might like this one. And and you don't have to like do any of that yourself once you set it on autopilot. So I think it's well worth paying the $10 a month to get the, the automations. But you don't have to do that. I had a MailChimp account for probably a year, year and a half before I started doing the automations with it. Just collecting emails is like definitely should be doing that because nothing else gets people's attention like an email. I mean, they like Facebook. People like finding me on Facebook. But nothing you post on Facebook is going to reach them for sure. Um, and even email won't reach them for sure. I mean, the Gmail has gotten really bad lately about putting all of the MailChimp emails, even, you know, a mailing list they've signed up for, it'll still put it in promotions folder, which has caused problems lately with people getting emails. You know, even Patreon, you send them out a notice. Sometimes Gmail puts that in promotions folder. So you can't be sure, but email is generally the best way of reaching people who have said they would like to hear from you. Cool. What advice would you give to self-published writers who want to grow their audience quickly? Something for free. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what else. And I mean, the podcast is free stuff. So if you're if you're trying to to get audio people, then podcast is definitely one way to do it. The problem with the podcast that I ran into, and I don't know if if you have this issue or not, but people, if you tell them that they can go buy a thing, they totally mean to do it, but they're listening in the car or they're listening on the treadmill, they're listening while washing dishes, they can't immediately act. And that's the wonderful thing about an email is if you send them a link to something they want, and again, I'm not pushing things at anybody who didn't say, I want this. They can, they can act immediately. They're there at their computer. <laughs> they can click. It seems like I had a lot of friction with the podcast of just people forgetting by the time they got to a computer what it was they had intended to do. Right. That makes sense. Okay, um, we've got some viewers in the chat room right now. If you have any questions for Abby, please go ahead and post them up. Chris Moody had asked how your writing is going. So you, you talked a bit about you're working on Jager Thunder now. Scarlet Albatross is about to be released or has already mm -hmm. been released. 
It is about to be released. I've been waiting for a little bit to get my covers straightened out. I need to redo the Cowrie Catcher's covers because of all of my covers. They don't twig adult for a lot of people. People think they're children's books. And they're really pretty covers, but they, they don't correctly signal the genre or the age group. So I, I've known for a long time I need to redo those covers. And the Scarlet Albatross and the, the Refugees books, that next series, they all need to look like they go together. So I've got two cover images commissioned for Albatross and I split test them and do all this stuff. So I've been waiting for the, I've been waiting for the cover to be done. I may go ahead and release that ebook soon because I'm getting impatient. <laughs> I may just give it the cover that I've got and then do all of my testing and swap out the covers, you know, if it turns out that the other one is the winner. But that, that book is ready to go and I've got about half of the audiobook complete at this point. And then Jager is still in draft. That has been a very hard book to write. But I am almost done with it, <laughs> finally. Yay! Yay! What would you, What do you think made it harder than usual? It's just a lot of characters. It's all the characters from Albatross and all the characters from Cowrie Catchers. And I didn't want to shortchange anyone. And then it's this Byzantine political situation. And there's a lot of names. And there's some new characters, because, you know, we can't just have the entire cast of two <laughs> different books. We have to have some new people. And I was really worried that the plot would be incoherent and that I would leave out somebody's favorite character or not do them justice or like, I don't know, refrigerate the wrong person or I don't know. I, it, it was a, it's a convoluted book, but I think it's actually going to come out okay. So <laughs> about the middle, I was like, no, this is just a mess. This is a horrible mess. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, I think it's actually going to come out all right. I think I actually got everyone in. Like, I think everyone said something meaningful, I think. <laughs> Hope. Have you seen that thing on Facebook that's been going around about the different stages of the writing process? Stage <laughs> one, this is awesome. <laughs> Two, this is tricky. Stage three, this is crap. Stage four, I am crap. Stage five. This could be okay. Stage six. This is awesome. <laughs> yes, this book. This book did that. And the sad thing was, Albatross was so easy. It was the easiest novel I've ever written. It just unspooled in front of me, like fully formed. And I wrote it in three months. Hey, I've progressed as a writer. All of my books will be easy now. And that was not true. <laughs> that was not true. That was just an anomaly. It will never happen again. Well, Albatross um, has the advantage of a small cast, a restricted mm -hmm. environment, mm -hmm. and a pretty simple form of conflict. Yes. Yes, that is true. And none of those things are true for, for Jake or Thunder. I am having very much the same situation writing The Lost and the Least right now. Um, I can imagine. Because I've got Kate's plot line going on. I've got Callie and Will doing a major plot line. Um, <laughs> I've got their supporting characters are all coming in to play a role. So I've got I've got Morgan. And you're like has, you're like oh no I can't leave this person as a flat character. I must make them round. Let's give them an arc. And you're like uh -huh. what was I doing? <laughs> So I've got Morgan coming in and she's now got this whole romantic plot line with Ava that's, that's <laughs> developing. And on top of that, I just realized in this last chapter, Callie's got a, a major, major computer problem that she has to deal with. It's like, oh shit, she's going to call Brian Summers. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only not thing enough that people makes here. sense. <laughs> 
are not enough people here. What we need are some more people. And then you probably need to give him an arc and, you know, some important lines so he doesn't feel left out, a role. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's been fun. I've been writing a lot. I The finish line keeps receding in the distance. <laughs> I have promised myself this book is not more than 150,000 words. If if it is, I'm just going to stop. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Rocks fall, everyone dies. <laughs> Rocks fall, everyone dies. <laughs> Guess I don't have to worry about the next book. <laughs> so we've got a comment here from Dan Absalonson. He says, you guys both produce such great audio stories. Thanks for all the commutes you've enhanced for me. Hours of fantastic story in my earbuds. Thanks to you too. Thanks. Well, thank You're you. You're welcome. That is awesome. So anything else that uh, we should be looking for from you in the coming year, Abby? I hope I'm going to have a whole bunch of stuff come out. I didn't have that much other than art come out last year. Albatross will certainly be ready soon. I would think Jager will be done before the end of the year. And I don't know. It depends on how hard the third book is to write. Like, I, I think it will be simpler. I know I'm going to send the characters in different directions at the end. We're not doing another book with them all in the same book. I'm going to go in two different directions. <laughs> Never split the party, Abby. <laughs> uh, oh, yes. The party will be split. So I don't know. It depends on how hard that book is to write. I keep promising the small group of children who like the even Malachi books that I'm going to write another one of those. It only takes me about a week to write those books once I get the idea. And Oh, I'm i uh, I'm doing a new short story every month for the Patreon this year. Sweet. Cause I didn't have enough to write. So um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm letting them vote on the character and then the $1 patrons get the text and the $3 patrons get the audio. And I'm keeping these small. Like these are 600 to surely not more than 3000 word short stories. And they'll probably be around one to 2000 words. And they're, you know, about the character of their choice. So Dakar has a story and I'm pretty sure Basil is going to win the uh, second one. <laughs> and I'll probably tell the story. <laughs> I'll probably tell the story of how he and Silvio met. Cause I think that's, that's, that'll be fun. Um, oh yeah, my little vignette. You got any uh, convention appearances this year? I don't. I'm really, really trying to pay off my student loan in the first half of the year, and so I haven't really scheduled. That's like a black abyss that is yawning that I'm going to fall into. I'm probably going to hate it, but I'm going to stay there until I pay it off. And I, you know, I can't see anything beyond <laughs> beyond it. Uh, I, I don't know. We'll we'll see how I feel after that stretch. I'm trying to pay the loan off. Like I can, I can see how I could be at least a part-time writer with a part-time income, but I pretty much have to be a mostly full-time anesthetist until I pay off that loan. Cause it's like, you know, house payment. So I'm trying to get that financial obligation out of the way so I can do more of what I like. Just work 12 weeks a year and write books. <laughs> 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 and I actually did pay taxes on my, um, all my books last year. So yeah, it's the first year I made money. Sweet. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Abby. And thank you to everybody who's been listening. Where can people find your stuff, Abby? They can find it at abigailhilton.com. You can find me on all the major platforms, but yeah, go there. And if you want to see how my mailing list works, you can sign up for it and it will walk you through the automation. Sweet. I think I signed up for your mailing list before you had all that stuff in place. So 
Probably. And you can find my stuff at metamorecity.com and chrislester.org. This podcast, The Raven and the Writing Desk, you can find more interviews and a lot of my fiction anywhere that podcasts are distributed, including the iTunes store. Leave us a review there to help spread the word. You can support the Patreon at patreon.com slash author Chris Lester. Abby's is, what's your Patreon feed? It is backslash Abigail Hilton. All right. It's patreon.com backslash. I say, you say Patria. You say tomato. I say tomato. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. I have one question for the entertainment of your um, of your fans. Okay. All right. Yeah. This is the ask me anything of podcasting. So you know who my favorite character is? Uh, Janus. Yes. He's not anyone else's favorite, but I love him. He's basically Javert from Blame Is Rob. <laughs> uh, uh, so is Janus a virgin? That's what I want to know. <laughs> um. You listened to the Lightbringer Carol, right? Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. Okay. After that, he's not going to be a virgin anymore. Before <laughs> that, I'm pretty sure. I want was. that story. If you ever think you for a story request, that is the story that I want. <laughs> I can't be the only person. <laughs> Janus and Candace's first yes. date together. Hmm. Yes. That would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Can't be the only person. Oh, we got a question from Chris Moody. He says, if it's not too late, is Amazon still the biggest seller? I assume he means for eBooks. Yeah, because Amazon owns Audible. So it's it's definitely my biggest seller. Numbers wise, I sell more eBooks, but the audiobooks easily outpace them in terms of income. So it depends on what you mean by Amazon. If you mean eBooks on Amazon or even, pay, I mean, all of, I mean, create spaces, Amazon too. Nearly all of my content is sold through Amazon. I'm available everywhere right now. And I'm kind of regretting that because they just went, uh, you know, Kindle Unlimited, right about the time I decided to go wide again, they decided to start paying by page count. And I read enormous books. So that suddenly makes Kindle Unlimited skewed, you know, in my favor. And But that was right about the time I was like, no, 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 no. I'm going back to, to Apple and Kobo and Barnes and & Noble and all these places. But I don't sell many books there. So I'm, once again wondering if I'm being stupid by being on those sites. But I do sell stuff off my own website, which is something I didn't talk about. I have a store, a Squarespace store, that is light years ahead of the plugins I used to use on WordPress to sell things. It's really pretty painless. And I make like 90% for digital content I sell on there. So it's a really great margin. And people do come and buy like my regular books on there sometimes. So that's the reason not to be in KU. And for people listening, I assume they know what I'm talking about. With, um, if you're exclusive to Kindle, uh, to Amazon, you get to be in the Amazon Kindle Unlimited. It's a, it's like Netflix for books. And they give you, uh, they pay you by page count. They used to pay you by unit, which didn't work out very well for me because I write large books. But now they pay you by page count. And I'm told that people like me do pretty well. But I don't know because I haven't been on there since they've been paying that way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the the store on my site, I, I can sell audio on there. I, mean, I can sell pretty much any anything. And it is nice to be able to sell stuff on there. But the other thing you can do with something like that is I could go to KU and then just there's some original content on my website that I don't have anywhere else. So you can always get people to come buy stuff from you that way. As far as the whole Netflix for books things goes, I would also point out that Smashwords feeds into two of those. One is called Scribd or Scribd, S-C-R-I-B-D. The other one, I forget what it's called. Went belly up. It died. Oyster. Oyster died. Yes, it perished. Um, Most of those are built on an unsustainable model. (laughs) Amazon, I think, is willing to actually lose money on it, you know, because they want you in Prime. Um, Yeah, that's true. 
but Oyster was built on an unsustainable model, and I don't know about Scribd. I don't know how well they're doing. My stuff through Smashwords is on there, but I don't sell anything there, so I don't I don't know. Okie dokie. Well, thank you again for joining us, Abby, and we'll see you around. Take care. And that was our interview. I hope you enjoyed it and that you got as much out of it as I did. No feedback or weekly writing report this week since we are still settling in in Wisconsin, but I'll be happy to let you guys know how I'm doing in next week's episode, so check back then to find out how my writing has been going. If you'd like to leave feedback about the show, you can send your thoughts in text or audio to metamorecityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900, then enter extension 255082, followed by the pound sign. You can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash author Chris Lester, and on Twitter as Ethereus, E-T-H-E-R-I-U-S. To converse with your fellow fans, join the Fans of Metamore City Facebook group. The link will be in the show notes. That's all for this week. Tune in next time for more fiction fresh off the writing desk. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out. The contents of this show are copyright 2016 by Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. The show is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives License. So don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. For more information about this license, please visit creativecommons.org.